Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we are going to read chapters 21 to 22 and in the previous episode we read chapters 19 to 20. Now in the previous episode we read we read from Piper's perspective where Piper and Annabeth had gone up against a monster named Mimas. After a couple of chapters we find out that Mimas is finally defeated by the two and are now seen are are now exploring a new opening to which they fall to which they go through in and that is where we leave off of in the last episode and it doesn't look like we are going to continue to see what exactly happened to them because we are now actually going to look at Reyna's perspective and see how exactly Reyna's doing with her quest with the Athena Parthenos so now we're going to read chapter 21, Reyna. At least they didn't end up on another cruise ship. The jump from Portugal had landed them in the middle of the Atlantic, where Reyna had spent her whole day on the Lido deck of the Azores Queen, shooing little kids off the Athena Parthenos, which they seemed to think was a water slide. Unfortunately, the next jump brought Reyna home. They appeared 10 feet in the air, hovering over a restaurant courtyard that Reyna recognized. She and Nico dropped onto a large birdcage, which promptly broke, dumping them into a cluster of potted ferns along with three very alarmed parrots. Coach Hedge hit the canopy over a bar. The Athena Parthenos landed on her feet with a thump, flattening a patio table and flipping a dark green umbrella, which settled onto the Nike statue in Athena's hand, so the goddess of wisdom looked like she was holding a tropical drink. Gah! Coach Hedge yelled. The canopy ripped and he fell behind the bar with a crash of bottles and glasses. He recovered well. He popped up with a dozen miniature plastic swords in his hair, grabbed the soda gun, and served himself a drink. I like it. He tossed a wedge of pineapple into his mouth. But next time, kid, can we land on the floor and not ten feet above it? Nico dragged himself out of the ferns. He collapsed into the nearest chair and waved off a blue parry that was tying to land on his head. After the fight with Lycaon, Nico had discarded his shredded aviator jacket. His black skull-patterned t-shirt wasn't in much better shape. Renat stitched up the gashes on his biceps, which gave Nico a slightly creepy Frankenstein look, but the cuts were still swollen and red. Unlike bites, werewolf claw marks wouldn't transmit lycanthropy. But Raina knew firsthand that they healed slowly and burned like acid. I've got to sleep. Nico looked up at a daze. Are we safe? Raina scanned the courtyard. The place seemed deserted, though she didn't understand why. This time of night, it should have been packed. Above them, the evening sky glowed a murky terracotta, the same color as the building's walls. Ringing the atrium, the second-story balconies were empty except for potted azaleas, hanging from the white metal railings. Behind a well of glass doors, the restaurant's interior was dark. The only sound was a fountain gurgling forlornly and the occasional squawk of a disgruntled parrot. This is Barankina, Reina said. What kind of bear? Hedge opened a jar of maraschino cherries and chucked them down. It's a famous restaurant, Reina said, in the middle of old San Juan. They invented the piña colada here. Back in the 1960s, I think. Nico pitched out his chair, curled up on the floor, and started snoring. Coach Hedge belched. Well, it looks like we're staying for a while. If they haven't invented any new drinks since the 60s, they're overdue. I'll get to work. While Hedge rummaged behind the bar, Reyna whistled for Arm and Argento. 
After their fight with the werewolves, the dogs looked a little worse for wear, but Raina placed them on guard duty. She checked the street entrance to the atrium. The decorative ironwork gates were blocked. The sign in Spanish and English announced that the restaurant was closed for a private party. That seemed odd, since the place was deserted. At the bottom of the sign were embossed initials, HTK. These bothered Reina, though she wasn't sure why. She peered through the gates. Calle Fortaleza was unusually quiet. The blue cobblestone pavement was free of traffic and pedestrians. The pastel-colored shop fronts were closed and dark. Was it Sunday? Or some sort of holiday? Reina's unease grew. Behind her, Coach Hedge whistled happily as he set up a row of blenders. The parrots roosted on the shoulders of the Athena Parthenos. Reina wondered whether, whether the Greeks would be offended if their sacred statue arrived covered in tropical bird poop. Of all places, Reina could have ended up. San Juan. Maybe it was a coincidence, but she feared not. Puerto Rico was, wasn't really on the way from Europe to New York. It was much too far south. Besides, Reina had been lending Nico her strength for days now. Perhaps she'd influenced him subconsciously. He was drawn to painful thoughts, fear, darkness. And Reina's darkest, most painful fear was San Juan. Her biggest fear? Coming back here. Her dogs picked up on her agitation. They prowled the courtyard, snarling at shadows. Poor Argentum turned in circles, trying to aim his sideways head so he could see out of his one ruby eye. Reina tried to concentrate on one on positive memories. She'd miss the sound of the local cuy fra frogs singing around the neighborhood like a chorus of popping bottle caps. She missed the smell of the ocean, the blossoming magnolias and citrus trees, the fresh baked bread from the local pananderias. Even the humidity felt comfortable and familiar, like the scented air from a dryer vent. Part of her wanted to open the gates and explore the city. She wanted to visit the Plaza de Armas, where the old men placed, played dominoes and the coffee kiosks sold espresso so strong it made your ears pop. She wanted to stroll down her old street, Calle San Jose, counting and naming the stray cats, making up a story for each one, the way she used to do with her sister. She wanted to break into Barranquina's kitchen and cook up some real mofongo with fried plantains and bacon and garlic. A taste that would always remind her of Sunday afternoons when she and Hilla could briefly escape the house and, if they were lucky, eat here in the kitchen where the staff knew them and took pity on them. On the other hand, Reyna wanted to leave immediately. She wanted to wake up Nico, no matter how tired she was, and force him to shadow travel out of here. Anywhere but San Juan. Being so close to her old house made Reyna feel ratcheted tight like a catapult winch. She glanced at Nico despite the warm night she shivered on the tile floor. She pulled a blanket out of her pack and covered him up. Reina no longer felt self-conscious about wanting to protect him. For better or worse, they shared a connection now. Each time they shadow-traveled, his exhaustion and torment washed over her, and she understood him a little better. Nico was devastatingly alone. He'd lost his big sister, Bianca. He'd pushed away all other demigods who tried to get close to him. His experiences at camp half-blood in the labyrinth and in Tartarus had left him scared, afraid to trust anyone. Reyna doubted she could change his feelings, but she wanted Nico to have support. 
all heroes deserve that. It was the whole point of the 12th Legion. You joined forces to fight for a higher cause. You weren't alone. You made friends and earned respect even when you mustered out. You had a place in the community. No demigod should have to suffer alone the way Nico did. Tonight was July 25th. Seven more days until August 1st. In theory, there was plenty of time to reach Long Island. Once they completed their mission, if they completed their mission, Reyna would make sure Ray Nico was never recognized for his bravery. She slipped off her backpack. She tried to place it under Nico's head as a makeshift pillow, but her fingers passed right through him, as if he were a shadow. She recoiled her hand, cold with dread. She tried again. This time, she was able to lift his neck and slide the pillow under. His skin felt cool, but otherwise normal. Had she been hallucinating? Nico had expended so much energy traveling through shadows, perhaps he was starting to fade permanently if he kept pushing himself to the limit for seven more days. The sound of a blender startled her out of her thoughts. You want a smoothie? asked the coach. This one's pineapple, mango, orange, and banana, buried under a mound of shaved coconut. I call it the Hercules. I... I'm alright, thanks. She glanced up at the balconies ringing in the atrium. It still didn't seem right or that the restaurant was empty. A private party, HTK. Coach, I think I'll scout the second floor. I don't like a wisp of movement caught her eye. The balcony on the right, a dark shape. Above that, at the edge of the roof, several more silhouettes appeared against the orange clouds. Reyna drew her sword, but it was too late. A flash of silver, a faint whoosh, and the point of a needle buried itself in her neck. Her vision blurred, her limbs turned to spaghetti. She collapsed next to Nico. As her eyes dimmed, she saw her dogs running toward her, but they froze in made bark and toppled over. At the bar, the coach held, yelled, Hey! Another whoosh. The coach collapsed with a silver dart in his neck. Raina tried to say, Nico, wake up. Her voice wouldn't work. Her body had been deactivated as completely as her metal dogs had. Dark figures lined the rooftop. Half a dozen leaped into the courtyard, silent and graceful. One leaned over Raina. She could only ma- make uh, a hazy smudge of gray. A muffled voice said, Take her. A cloth sack was wrestled over her head. Reyna wondered dimly if this was how she would die, without even a fight. Didn't it even matter. Several pairs of rough hands lifted her like an unwieldy piece of furniture, and she drifted into consciousness. And that's the end of chapter 21. It's very fascinating to see how exact, how we're now getting the... First of all, it was a great chapter. And I think that we're now starting to see a little bit of backstory on Reyna. Over the course of these books, we've seen the backstories of every single demigod and have they, how they've come to be. Or pieces, at least. Bit by bit. And I think this is where this is the time where we have now reached where Reyna... We learn more about Reyna and her and her sister's experiences. And it seems like the place that they are in right now, San Juan, is, seem- is seemingly to be... To Reyna, a time of painful memories, but also fond memories. So, in the time of pain, in the period, in, 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 the, in the midst of, of just potential suffering, Reyna's trying to think of these fond memories that kept her going throughout these, peri- these periods of time. So I think we start seeing that exactly, es- essentially how she came to be as we, she is today why she acts the way she is, how she leads the way she is in, in the Roman camp, and how exactly does her personality have to equate to how she was when she was a kid? Why does she always have to act like she, or it, 
in a way, it makes us wonder why does she have to act like she must be the one with the answers and she must be the one to lead her group to victory because something throughout her childhood must have influenced her to have this kind of mindset so that she eventually became praetor of Camp Jupiter and allowed for her to lead the way that the, the things that she has been leading. So I think that when it comes to childhood stories and finding how exactly these demigods grew up, even without their godly parent, it gives us a clarity on how exactly they view the world. And this can also be really applicable to Luke. Because of what Hermes, how Hermes was, and how Luke looked up to Hermes throughout his childhood, that affected his mindset and how he thought about things about being in Camp Halfblood and what that did for him. And is essentially why the kind of upbringing that he had with the lack of presence with Hermes, it made him grow this resentment towards Hermes. And in that sense, made him turn against the demigods. So we can see how different childhood stories and different interactions with their godly parents when they're young, and then as they slowly grow up and begun, also begin to affiliate themselves with Camp Half-Blood or Camp Jupiter, we see how their personalities have shaped to become who they are today and how the majority of that was made because of how they grew up. So I think that this chapter is extremely, these, this next chapter as well, it's a continuate, continuate, continuation of Raina's perspective. So it, I think it will be very fascinating if we're able to get uh, some more context clues on how exactly they have come, how Raina has come to where she is now. So after the break, we will read chapter 22, Raina, and from then on, we will shall see what exactly will happen. So see you then. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 22, Reyna. The answer came to her before she was fully conscious. The initials on the sign at Barankina. H-T-K. Not funny, Reyna muttered to herself. Not remotely funny. Years ago, Lupa had taught her how to sleep lightly, wake up alert, and be ready to attack. Now, as her senses returned, she took stock of her situation— the cloth sack still covered her head, but it didn't seem to be cinched around her neck. She was tied to a hard chair, wood by the feel of it. Cords were tied against the ribs. Her hands were bound behind her, but her legs were free at the ankles. Either her captors were sloppy, or they hadn't expected her to wake up so quickly. Reyna wriggled her fingers and toes. Whatever tranquilizer they'd used, the effects had worn off. Somewhere in front of her, footsteps echoed down a corridor. The sound got closer. Reyna let her muscles go slack. She rested her chin against her chest. A lock clicked. A door creaked open. Judging from the acoustics, Reyna was in a small room with brick or concrete walls. Maybe a basement or a cell. One person entered the room. Reyna calculated the distance. No more than five feet. She surged upward, spinning so the chair legs smashed against her captor's body. The force broke the chair. Her captor fell with a pained grunt. Shouts from the corridor, more footsteps. Reyna shook the clawed sack off her head. She dropped into a backward roll, pulling her bound hands under her legs so her arms were in front of her. Her captor, a teen girl in gray camouflage, lay dazed on the floor, a knife at her belt. Reyna grabbed the knife and straddled her, pressing the blade against her captor's throat. 
Three more girls crowded the doorway. Two drew knives. The third knocked an arrow in her bow. For a moment, everyone froze. Her hostage's carotid artery pulsed under the blade. Wisely, the girl made no attempt to move. Raina ran scenarios on how she could overcome the three in the doorway. All of them wore gray camouflage t-shirts, faded black jeans, black athletic shoes, and utility belts like they were going camping, or hiking, or hunting. You're the Hunters of Artemis, Raina realized. Take it easy, said the girl with the bow. Her ginger hair was shaved on the sides. Long on top, she had the build of a professional wrestler. You've got the wrong impression. The girl on the floor exhaled, but Raina knew that trick. Trying to lose an enemy's hold, Raina pressed the knife tighter against the girl's throat. You've got the wrong impression, Raina said. If you think you can attack me and take me captive, where are my friends? Unharmed, right where you left them, the ginger girl promised. Look. It's three to one, and your hands are tied. You're right, Raina growled. Get another six of you in here, and it might be a fair fight. I demand to see your lieutenant, Talia Grace. The ginger girl blinked. Her comrades gripped their knives uneasily. On the floor, Raina's hostage began to shake. Raina thought she might be having a fit. Then she realized the girl was laughing. Something funny? Raina asked. The girl's voice was a gravely whisper. Jason told me you were good. He didn't say, how good? Raina focused more carefully on her hostage. The girl looked about 16 with choppy black hair and startling blue eyes. Across her forehead glinted a circlet of silver. You're Talia? And I'd be happy to explain, Talia said, if you'd kindly not cut my throat. The hunter's guard guided her through a maze of corridors. The walls were concrete blocks painted army green, devoid of windows. The only light came from dim fluorescent fluorescence spaced every 20 feet. The passages twisted and turned and doubled back, but the ginger-haired hunter, Phoebe, took the lead. She seemed to know where she was going. Talia Grace limped along, holding her ribs where Reyna had hit her with the chair. The hunter must have been in pain, but her eyes sparkled with amusement. Again, my apologies for abducting you. Talia didn't sound very sorry. This lair is secret. The Amazons have certain protocols. The Amazons? You work for them? With them, Talia corrected. We have a mutual understanding. Sometimes the Amazons send recruits our way. Sometimes if we come across girls who don't wish to be maidens forever, we send them to the Amazons. The Amazons do not have such vows. One of the other hunters snorted in disgust. Huh. Keeping male slaves and collars and orange jumpsuits. I'd rather keep a pack of dogs any day. Their males aren't slaves, Celine, Talia chided. Merely subservient. She glanced at Reyna. The Amazons and hunters don't see eye to eye on everything. But since Gaia has begun to stir, we have been cooperating closely. With Camp Jupiter and Camp Half-Blood at each other's throats, well, someone has to deal with all the monsters. Our forces are spread across the entire continent. Reyna massaged the rope marks on her wrists. I thought you told Jason you knew nothing of Camp Jupiter. That was true then, but those days are over, thanks to Harris scheming. Talia's expression turned serious. How is my brother? When I left him in Epirus, he was fine. Raina told her what she knew. She found Talia's eyes distracting, electric blue, intense, and alert, so much like Jason's. Otherwise, the siblings looked nothing alike. 
Talia's hair was choppy and dark. Her jeans were tattered, held together with safety pins. She wore metal chains around her neck and wrists, and her gray camel shirt sported a button that read, Punk is not dead. You are. Raina had always thought of Jason Grace as the all-American boy. Talia looked more like the girl who robbed all-American boys at knife point in an alley. I hope he's still well, Talia mused. A few nights ago, I, dream- I dreamed about her mother. It wasn't pleasant. Then I got Nico's message in my dreams about Orion hunting you. That was even less pleasant. That's why you're here? You got Nico's message? Well, we didn't run rush to Puerto Rico for a vacation. This is one of the Amazon's most secure strongholds. We took a gamble that we'd be able to intercept you. Intercept us? How? And why? In front of them, Phoebe stopped. The corridor dead-ended at a set of metal doors. Phoebe tapped on them with the butt of her knife. A complicated series of knocks, like Morse code. Talia rubbed her bruised ribs. I'll have to leave you here. The hunters are patrolling the old city, keeping a lookout for Orion. I need to get back to the front lines. She held out her hand expectantly. My knife, please? Raina handed it back. What about my own weapons? They'll be returned when you leave. I know it seems silly, the kidnapping and blindfolding and whatnot, but the Amazons take their security seriously. Last month, they had an incident at their main center in Seattle. Maybe you've heard about it. A girl named Hazel Levesque stole a horse. The hunter Celine grinned. Naomi and I saw the security footage. Legendary. Epic, agreed the third hunter. At any rate, Tali said, we're keeping an eye on Nico and the satyr. Unauthorized males aren't allowed anywhere near this place. But we left them a note so they wouldn't worry. From her belt, Talia unfolded a piece of paper. She handed it to Reyna. It was a photocopy of a handwritten note. I owe you one Roman prayer. She will be returned safely. Sit tight. Otherwise, you'll be killed. XOX, the Hunters of Artemis. Reyna handed back the letter. Right. That won't worry them at all. Phoebe grinned. It's cool. I covered your Athena Parthenos with this new camouflage netting I designed. It should keep monsters, even Orion, from finding it. Besides, if my guess is right, Orion isn't tracking the statue as much as he's tracking you. Raina felt like she'd been punched between the eyes. How could you know that? Phoebe's my best tracker, Talia said, and my best healer. And, well, she's generally right about most things. Most things? Phoebe protested. Talia raised her hands in a I give up gesture. As for why we intercepted you, I'll let the Amazons explain. Phoebe, Celine, Naomi, accompany Raina inside. I have to see to our defenses. You're expecting a fight, Raina noted, but you said this place was secret and secure. Talia sheathed her knife. You don't know Orion. I wish we had more time, Praetor. I'd like to hear about your camp and how you ended up here there. You remind me so much of your sister, and yet... You know Hilla? Raina asked. Is she safe? Talia tilted her head. None of us are safe these days, Praetor, so I really must go. Good hunting! Talia disappeared down the corridor. The metal doors creaked open. The three hunters led Raina through. After the claustrophobic tunnels, the size of the warehouse took Raina's breath away. An area of giant eagles could have done maneuvers under the vast ceiling. Three story tall rows of shells stretched into the distance. Robotic forklifts zipped through the aisles, retrieving boxes. 
half a dozen young women in black pantsuits stood nearby. Comparing notes on their tablet computers. In front of them, their crates were crates labeled Explosive Arrows and Greek Fire. 16 ounce Easy Open Pack and Griffin Fillets. Free range organic. Directly in front of Reyna, behind a conference table piled high with reports and bladed weapons, sat a familiar figure. Baby sister, Hilla Rose. Here we are, home again, facing a certain death again. We have to stop meeting like this. And that's the end of chapter 22. Well, I'll definitely say that was a very fascinating turn of events. I think that having the people who abducted Reyna to be the Hunters of Artemis makes sense. And for them to be working with the Amazons, it it already begins to have that kind of Greek and Roman collaboration. I think that the concept of the Amazons and the Hunters of Artemis before the War of Gaia wouldn't have potentially been a very strong possibility. But because of Gaia and the army that she's bringing up, this motivates people, groups like the Hunters of Artemis and the Amazons to work together. So this is a really important step in bringing towards, in bringing the success and the defeat against Gaia one step closer. Because you're already seeing this Greek and Roman collaboration. It may not be between the camps, but it is happening. And I think that it's important that we recognize that. And it's important to see how this is going to affect the group, the seven demigods and Nico and Coach Hedge, and see how exactly this is going to affect them as they continue on, on their journey towards getting the Athena Parthenos Pact to Camp, camp Half-Blood. So that will that'll be until next week, where we will continue reading with chapters 23 to 24. And now, without further ado, we will now be moving on to the Q&A, and, Q&A session. Uh, once again, I would like to give a couple of disclaimers. Uh, one, uh, first of all, thank you guys for all of the questions that you ask. I really do appreciate it. And with a disclaimer that I, if I do not answer your question, I, I apologize. And do please let me know in the, uh, in the comments for the next episode. And just, you know, it would be great if you could restate your question. And I will try my best to get that question uh, answered in the next episode. Uh, however, there are also uh, limitations to that as well. Such as if I am uncomfortable answering that question, I may not answer it. However, this isn't to discourage anybody from asking those questions. I still appreciate the thought of asking those questions. It's just at the moment, I am not in a place to answer them. So maybe hopefully in the, fu- in the future, I may be able to, but at the moment, I am unable to. So yes, without further ado, let's move on to our Q&A session. So our first question is, what do you think about Leo and Calypso? I think that Leo and Calypso have always been, they've always felt out of place. I think with Leo, he's always being felt as the seventh wheel and just feeling out of place in general with the group. And then Calypso has this lifelong curse where she meets all of these demigods and these heroes and they they fall in love with her, they catch feelings for her and then they just drift away, never to be seen again. 
But I think that the fact that Leo was, I think, one of the first people to ever make a promise that he will come back for her is something that really moved Calypso in a strong way, I think. And I think that's what really makes their bond even more special. And the fact that Leo or Calypso didn't have feelings for each other at first, and that's why the raft hadn't come, it allowed for them to build such a stronger bond than compared to what Calypso has had with other heroes. So I think that in terms of the kind of the bond that Leo and Calypso have, it's more it's much more on a personal level than compared to the other interactions. And I think that's what makes it stronger and that's what makes Leo so determined to find Calypso again on Ojigia because he he feels that he can be himself with her. And I think that that's at the end of the day, that's what we wanted for every demigod to feel. You know, that everybody has their place and they're happy where they're at. So I think that Leo, that Calypso gives that joy to Leo and vice versa. So I genuinely hope that Leo is able to find OGG again and Calypso again. Next question is favorite hobby. Uh, I do enjoy... Um... I do enjoy outdoor I do enjoy activities like swimming. Swimming is pretty fun. So I'd say that'd be one of my favorite hobbies. Uh next question is Do you think there will be a relationship between Nico and Reyna? Relationship as in as in friends, I would say most definitely, yes. I think that Nico and Reyna have both come from places where they have a lot of they've they've suffered a lot they've gone through a lot and i think that they can understand each other on that personal level on that on that connection wise and i think that we saw a little bit of that we saw a little bit of reina touching upon that in these past two chapters where she's realizing what nico has gone through and her thoughts about who he is as an individual so i think that there's definitely high potential for them to become really really good friends and just be able to be there for each other because Reyna knows what Nico has been through and she can connect to him on that level and that allows for them to become better friends than they already that they would have previously had. Next question is who is the kindest god? Hmm. I think in all honesty, it might be Hades. The reason why I say this is because I think that Hades is someone that has lived through a lot of pain. I think that when we see this with Hazel's, Hazel's uh, when, when when Hazel's mom interacts with Hades, and then when Nico and Bianca's mom interacted with Hades, he seems to be this guy, this god who really, really puts all of his effort into loving someone and then just suddenly sees that go away. And I think that the reason why I say he's the kindest is because he's kind at heart. When you see when you see how he is on the outside, he's, he seems cold, he seems very pushy, but he's he, he gives the character feel that he is very spiky on the outside, but very soft on the inside. You know, he puts all of this effort into putting care and love towards the people that he actually loves. And to see them wash away like that or just pass away 
it pushes that kind of narrative it pushes that thinking on him that maybe he can't be happy because he's Hades and i think that pushes him to be this kind of god that just seems cold throughout throughout but when we see his interactions with Nico right sometimes they're extremely harsh and sometimes they're just a true father and son conversation just a regular interaction so I think I would say one of the kindest is is him actually. So yeah. Next question is which of the seven do you think will die? It's either got to be Leo or Jason. Now the reason why I say this is because of the the mere fact of how many times the prophecy has been mentioned and that specific line where it says where I believe it's where thunder or fire will meet their end or something along those lines. And it is more likely, very likely to be prophesized that it will be either Leo or Jason that will die. Next question is, if you had a magic power, what would it be? Flying. Flying is really cool. I love flying. I would love to have flying. Um, have you seen the new trailer for the Percy Jackson series? I have, actually. Uh, what are your expectations? I think that it it's promising. It's definitely promising, and I think that Something that I saw with a lot of critiques about the old movie, although I didn't know what was going on because I didn't read the books, a lot of critiques I saw was that the movies did not follow the books. And I think that with this new show, with the way that the things are turning out, just within the trailer itself, it seems to be extremely promising. And I think that what makes a good TV show is not only does it follow the book and not just, but it also has its own elements that make it unique. If you just have a TV show that just follows the book blindly, then it just makes it everything predictable. But if you see a TV show where it has its own small twists that just make it unique in that tiny sense, but it still follows the book and stays true, even gives glory to the book itself, that's a true TV show adaptation. And I think that this new TV series, this new Percy Jackson and the Olympians TV series, has a lot of promise for that. So I think that that's what are my expectations. My expectations are that it will follow the book, but it will also have its own unique twists that make it different from the book as well. It's... When you're, when you're done, I, I, I hope that when the TV show, after watching the whole season, I hope what comes out at the end of the day is that it followed the book, but it also had its own elements of magic that just augmented the experience of watching Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Uh, next question is, what would you like to be the god of except, other than sleep? Um, I would probably want to be the god of food. I think that food is something that is such a sacred item and that to be the god of it would be to just be able to provide that to anybody who needs it. And I think that that kind of happiness and that joy from helping others and being able to have the control of helping others, to having that power to be able to help others, I think that's the greatest feeling. And I think I would love to be the god of food the god of so yeah uh next question is what are you going to read after this um after this book i'll probably just continue down uh potentially i will most likely move on to reading the spinoffs but we will still have to see about where i go with that 
But yes, most likely I'll be doing the spinoffs and then, yeah, I might start a new podcast with a completely new series. So we might see. Uh, next question is favorite book. Um, I'm not sure. There's so many good books, but I just had actually... Hmm... I would have to say that my favorite book would probably be, oh, this is hard. I might have to come back to this, but yeah, I'll definitely think about it. And if I don't forget by the next episode, I'll try my best to answer what my favorite book is. But that's, that's a, that's a hard question for me to answer. Because there's so many good books, it's just so hard to pick one. So yeah, I'll think about it. But yeah, that concludes the end of our Q&A session. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And next episode, we, should, we will continue this by reading chapters 23 to 24. And in the next, uh, and and the and until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.